nothing matters nothing really matters are we recording are we live we're live oh i was gonna ask you do you want to whoa (laughs) since i won't be here on friday do like our intro as part of this yeah let's just go straight into it great hi kate wait say that again hi kate (laughs) i kind of want all of that (laughs) this is the intro welcome to the show i'm in a silly mood i just want you to be aware i want you to be aware of a few things shoot (laughs) what number one i'm in a silly mood okay same number two i had a crazy day number three i smell a little bit same okay (laughs) because i had a crazy day and fully planned on showering before i came here and i just the day got away from me i can't smell a thing well, I s- doused myself in perfume. Can you smell that? Nope. Shoot. It probably cancels each other out. <laughs> um, neutral. I, too, had a crazy day. I feel like the day before travel, like, my mind is, like, in a different dimension. Mm-hmm. Especially when you leave for so long, you feel like there's so many things you need to, like, Yeah. you know? And this is a big trip. Right. So I'm just feeling, like, I have a massive... And you just started school. Oh, yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. Was emailing all of my and professors. And you just renovated your apartment. It's like, that's the least of my worries. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a little bit scrambled as well. So yeah. if you're feeling chaotic and crazy, I'm right there with you. It is um whatever right now. Mercury is so in retrograde. Yeah. That's rough for a travel day. Have fun with that. Well, that's why we went all um non-electronic. So we have everything printed. Literally, do you see that binder on the table over there? That's all of our stuff. And our malaria medicine. (laughs) (laughs) So Kate's going to Africa. Yeah, it's crazy. So this is like an exciting day because this is really our season one of FWHB podcast wrap up. I know. It's been a wild ride. It really has. We just jumped in and just started doing it. We just said podcast and actually to tie this in with school just starting I was like filling out one of these like uh student information sheets and one of them asked for my hobbies and I was like whoa this is like third grade again I'm nervous I don't have any like freaking out and I put podcasting as one yeah that's a great hobby and you um work out yeah no I put other things also (laughs) thank you that was the first thing Gerardo also said that like, you work out I was like yeah you like, you like group fitness <laughs> group fitness is my hobby I do like group, group fitness is my like I'll be honest group fitness is pretty much my personality yeah a big part of it huge if that were cut like I would have to go searching for some for a lot of things to fill my time and well you sense es- of self you especially a career I would need a new job <laughs> yeah yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So anyway, um, we're wrapping up season one, which is super exciting. And so today is, as you guys know now, we affectionately call these episodes our Dua Epis, um, because it's the two of us and we love Dua Lipa. Um, and so today we have some stuff to share with each other, like new things that we're trying and why, like what we learned about them. And also, um, we got a little bit of feedback that people would like to know more about us and feel like they just jumped into this um, and are listening to two girlies that they don't know very well. So perhaps this episode should have been our opener, but we're new to podcasting and we're learning. So we're going to share some stuff about us today. We like to pave our own paths. Yeah. 
So we don't do things the conventional way. We're going to end our season by introducing ourselves. Yeah. Let's jump right in. Okay, so today, my little tidbit that I'm going to share with the class and with you is kind of twofold. I'm going to lay down the first basis and then I'm going to go into why it's important. So first, I'm going to lay down the role that skeletal muscle has in our lives and why it's so important that we foster that and have intake an adequate amount of protein. Mm, hot button topic i know so we're gonna you know lots of opinions navigate her gently and unopinionated and i'm going to well you have an opinion i know but i'm not going to share it like so aggressively that that's what everyone has to do okay but but everybody i'm just going to share the science okay great i'm a scientist (laughs) Which reminds me to give the disclaimer, we are not scientists or doctors, just two girlies sharing facts and information that's on the free World Wide Web Mm -hmm. for all of your little ears. From clinical research journals, peer-reviewed information. Yeah. Sorry, that should have been more clear. Yeah. These are real This is not me in science. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And before I jump into this, I'm just going to remind everyone of a cute little mantra that I feel like is important to remember throughout the entirety of my spiel, and that's strong opinions loosely held. So just, you know, take the information or leave it and just listen with open ears. So starting at base one, why is it important to foster our muscles? Obviously, we know that they're what move our bodies. You know, our brain tells our muscles to move our right arm to pick up your water bottle when you want a sip of water. That's pretty baseline. I think that most kindergartners know that that's what muscles do. But the skeletal muscle is an endocrine organ that determines the way we age, and it also secretes myokins. So let's learn about myokins. So there are a large amount of different kinds of myokins, which are basically just peptides that travel throughout the body and they can cross talk with different organs and they regulate the way we use nutrients or they talk to the immune system and they also can act as anti-inflammatory agents. So obviously that's a super vital function in our bodies and that's why we want to protect and foster our skeletal muscle to the nth degree, the most that we can. So Skeletal muscle is basically at the core root of many of the common health issues we face today. Like Jack taught us, inflammation is also one of the leading agents in why we can, you know, experience heart disease, lung disease, heart failure, etc. And I'm going to share a recent study that was actually conducted in 2021, which obviously just last year. And it's titled Myokin Expression and Tumor Suppressive Effect of Serum Following 12 Weeks of Exercise in Prostate Cancer Patients. So in this study, they found that the proteins created by the body when exercising, called myokins, as we know, can suppress tumor growth and even help actively fight cancerous cells. So layman's terms, 
They collected a group of 12 people. They had them exercise, 12 people with prostate cancer, had them exercise, collected blood samples. So they collected the blood samples from the week of starting the 12 week program and then the last week of completing the 12 week program of exercise. And then they took the samples and applied them directly onto the living prostate cancer cells. Are we following? Yes. Okay, great. The patient's level of anti-cancer myokins increased in the three months. And when they took their pre-exercise blood and their post-exercise blood and placed it over living prostate cancer cells, they saw a significant suppression of the growth of those cells from the post-training blood. Whoa. Which is really, really amazing. It's incredible. Like, the more we do this, and just in general, like, the more we, like, teach each other about these things, and then also just the more information that you and I are, like, seeking out in order to be prepared for these episodes, I'm just continuously mind-blown. And it seems so simple. Like, I'm going to say this out loud and it's going to sound so stupid. But, like, I'm just continuously mind blown by how many diseases and how much, like, pain and discomfort can be prevented by leading a healthy lifestyle. And it's, like, it's very close to home for me right now. I lost my grandmother a couple of weeks ago. And she has been I mean she was she's in her 70s um and she has been in extreme amounts of pain for years like she's been dealing with lung issues she's been dealing with chronic pain and arthritis and pre-diabetic and all of these things and then towards the end of her life and watching it was like this horribly tragic thing the last few weeks of she had a lung collapse and then she had pneumonia and then infections and so on and so forth and it like hurt me to watch all of this happen and to know that like so much of her pain and so much of the chronic disease that she developed too early in her life could have been prevented by a different lifestyle and like to watch the people that you love experience those things and know that they could have been prevented or at least like assuaged in some way delayed until you know further age and like this is what we see just like evolutionarily and here we go like going back to evolution is like historically people would yes live shorter lives but that like disease span of their life was much shorter like they would go from being fully functioning and without chronic pain and disease and then it's like a very sharp decline in the last couple of years of life versus what we see happen now in modern life as people reach like even as early as their 50s and 60s and starting to develop all of these conditions because of lifestyle choices when they were much younger. And so like the more you know, the better you should do. And what we're finding and what science is finding over and over and over again is that exercise and eating healthy and avoiding processed foods really is the answer to preventing and delaying the kind of like horrific pain that we see happen far too often. I know. Agreed to all of that. And also, I just feel so lucky to be alive to like be able to watch these studies be conducted because a study in 2021 finding like this groundbreaking of information, it's pretty cool to be able to read it and say that was just last year. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like people feel very stuck when it comes to big, scary disease like cancer or anything revolving like your heart and your lungs. And it's just really inspiring to see people turn to exercise and health and wellness like sphere to start being like an antidote to some of these problems. So to go to the second part of my spiel, it's going to pose the question, how can we foster the muscles in our bodies? Since now we know how vital they are and that they do secrete this peptide, myokins, that's so imperative to our body's function. We're going to learn a little bit about why we need to foster them and eat enough protein. So protein is basically the primary protector of our muscles. It is what's going to send the signals to repair and rebuild. So in an article, I read that the RDA or the recommended dietary allowance um, for adult Americans is similar to the international adult protein recommendations established by the World Health Organization. And I searched both because I am not trusting the American food system. And I was shocked to see that the rest of the world agreed with our <laughs> RDA intake. And we all came to the consensus, us being all of the members of the world, came to the <laughs> consensus that it's roughly 0.83 grams per pound of body weight that you have. So also, for anyone that exercises or is looking to increase muscle mass, they also suggest around 0.8 to 1 gram mm -hmm. of, of protein per body weight. So anyways, there is a study that outlines kind of the basics behind the whole realm of protein. I feel like it's a very daunting place, especially if you're not sitting in a classroom with a teacher telling you things and you're kind of subjected to the entire internet and there's thousands of studies that are peer-reviewed and from all of these different universities surrounding protein and then you go you open up spotify and it's a million podcasts telling you which way is the right way to consume protein which way is definitely the wrong way to consume protein you're kind of like i just want the basics so there is one and i'll link it in the show notes and it's titled dietary protein and muscle mass translating science to application and health benefits so essentially, they found that their recent meta-analysis showed significant positive associations between coupling resistance training and post-exercise protein consumption, which I feel like we knew that already, but it was interesting to read that there's a correlation. Obviously, we knew that protein fostered our muscles, but with strength training, you're essentially tearing apart your muscles. So yes. And I don't think that's common knowledge that like you should take, I mean, yes, the relationship between protein and the development and maintenance of muscle, but that specifically like eating a protein rich meal after a workout is something that I think like trainers tend to recommend or people like in the industry tend to recommend, but I, I don't know that it, that's common knowledge people yeah. i think most people think like well i got my protein that's what matters yeah and true. it is but well they actually found that coupling post-resistance exercise protein ingestion so roughly around 20 30 to 25 and 35 grams of protein with habitual uh protein intakes throughout the day at the recommended daily allowance 
promotes favorable muscle adaptations to exercise training, which means you're basically progressing in your training cycles. Mm -hmm. So it's all cool that it's science backed, you know, and we obviously see the results in the gym, but it's nice to know that real scientists have done the research for us. And then in that same article, the authors dispelled a common rumor kind of that's often associated with protein intake. And I feel like it's not as common anymore, but I I heard it like eight or 10 years ago where people said that higher protein diets have also been labeled as damaging to the kidneys. Have you heard this? Yeah. And it's so strange, like what people decide is damaging and what's not. <laughs> But actually, increased amino acid intake can potentiate renal workload and should be reduced in the presence of established renal disease. So what based is re- renal workload? So what your kidneys, renal? renal glands. Oh, okay. Are you familiar? No. Okay. Well, your kidneys, renal glands. Great. So basically, it's able to handle the workload that you supply it with unless there is renal disease already present. Got it. Which, if there is, of course, listen to your doctor and follow an advised program. But for the average Joe. You know, mm-hmm. we're good yeah. on eating protein. Great. Our bodies can handle it. Can manage it. Okay. And however, otherwise, healthy kidneys are well capable of adapting to protein intakes above the RDA and within the AMDR, which is basically stating that RDA, like we talked about when we first opened up, that's just what they recommend. 0.8 to point or 1.0 grams per pound of body fat. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. Okay. Now we know there's a reason why it accounts for a third of our macronutrient profile. But let's break down the science behind how our body actually breaks down these proteins. Because it is very interesting. And there is going to be some talk about vegetarian and veganism. But I'm not placing judgment. I'm just saying what I found. Okay. So basically, it's way more complex. And this would be a four-hour podcast if I decided to break down every single one of the 21 amino acids that are you know a part of the protein and also each amino acid has its own way that it's metabolized so we're not doing that today we're going to talk about the branch chain amino acids and specifically leucine so these are essential to stimulate the building of protein and muscle and possibly reduce muscle breakdown And I'm sure you guys have seen like the gym bros with their BCAAs. That might be a more common term for people that don't know what a branch chain amino acid is. But you've seen the containers. It is. BCAA. Everywhere. Even (laughs) Celsius is making a BCAA drink. It's kind of everywhere right now. It's a hot, hot topic. As it should be. Totally. Except there are some studies that show like supplementation in that form isn't as bioavailable exactly yeah but that's fine you know at least there's the knowledge floating around that they're important anyways off of celsius (laughs) skeletal muscle is actually primarily sensitive to leucine because that is what triggers the response of muscle protein synthesis and unfortunately animal-based proteins are what have the highest amounts of leucine I'm not saying that plant-based meals don't consume this BCAA, but they don't consume nearly as much as foods like chicken, beef, pork, fish, some milks and cheeses, and then eggs, of course. Okay, so protein has obviously recently become a little bit controversial of a topic, 
and some different groups of people have declared what they believe and what they think are the best sources of protein. And I'm not here to declare anything. I'm just telling you that leucine is what is going to trigger our bodies to go into that phase. So if what you're looking for is to have your muscles, you know, resynthesize and grow, you can just look into that yourself. But make your own decisions. I'm not here to tell you what to eat. I just want to share the science and research that others have found. If you do choose to consume animal proteins, I do really quickly want to go over what you want to look for on the package. Great. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Great. (laughs) So if possible, you want to consume the highest quality protein. So ideally for land animals, some of the key words you're going to want to look for are regenerative farmed, pasture raised, and organic. If you can't find regenerative farmed, especially if you're in somewhere where you don't have a lot of health food stores, like we're by Mother's Firm Farm. We have a great farmer's market here, but unfortunately, a lot of people aren't near those resources. Pasture raised and organic are kind of the two that you want at least make sure are marked. And then if you're eating fish, it's really important to eat wild caught. And we can also go into farming in another episode because it's really, really interesting. But farmed fish has been found to be like 80% higher in omega-6s, which is wild because if we go back to when I first started this conversation, the reason we're protecting our skeletal muscle mass is literally to reduce inflammation. Right. And omega-6 is linked to causing insane amounts of inflammation in the body. Right. Well, and I think in general, kind of going back to your note about like information that's put out there by different groups is is that taken into consideration like when people talk about the potential negative effects of animal-based products what's the quality of the animal-based products that are being consumed exactly like they're looking at a piece of meat that's been raised indoors surrounded by a bunch of other if we're taking beef for example a bunch of other cattle and when they're in there with antibiotics pumped with steroids i know but okay so on this podcast i always like hear antibiotics i'm like that's weird that they put them on antibiotics like i get steroids make them bigger sell for more money it's like why antibiotics it's literally because they brush up against each other so much and are in such inhumane environments that they catch such bad diseases Mm -hmm. that they'll die if they're not on antibiotics yeah so yeah They're obviously not looking at the highest quality meats when they make those arguments. But yeah, I know it's a bit of a maze out there when you're buying basically anything at the grocery store, but especially produce and meat products. So that's just my little 411 on protein. And I really think that we can all benefit from just upping up our protein game. And now we know why, you know? Right. Who wants to be inflamed? So key takeaways... Eat 0.83 to 1 gram Gram. of protein per pound of body weight. Yep. And two, look for regenerative, pasture-raised, and or organic meat. Yes. And if I feel like if you can implement those, you're one step ahead of the rest of them. Okay, great. Well, my, um, my topic today is less 
bio-specific. We're talking about smartphones. People love a little bit of everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we're not necessarily talking about health today. In fact, we're talking about productivity and focus and cognitive capacity and how our smartphones impact all of those things. And I would like to open this. I'm going to open this with some information about smartphones, just like some general statistics about smartphone users. But, and I didn't tell you this ahead of time, Kate, but we're going to get really real. I'm not sharing my screen time. Kate! Are you going to ask me to do that? Yeah. Shit. And there's like another thing on there, I think, that tracks like how many times you pick it up, I believe. Are you going to ask me to do it right now? I'm going to ask you to do it in a second after I give you some information. Okay. Okay. So on average, smartphone users interact with their phones about 85 times per day. Now, personally, I think that's pretty low. And this is coming, <laughs> <laughs> this is coming from a study from 2018. So mm. like our reliance on smartphones has to, I mean, I don't know. Pre-pandemic. Well, pre-pandemic one, and just in general, they're creating these apps these days to get us hooked on them and spend more time on them and check them more regularly, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think, you know, that number is pretty low and I would love to see what it is now. And also like that's average, like that's considering smartphone users. Like my grandpa does not engage with his smartphone as much as I do, obviously. So the bell anyway. curve is very wide. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, 91% of smartphone owners would never consider leaving the house without it like to do anything at all 91% that is an incredible statistic that's wild but also makes perfect sense to I me. feel like I'm couldn't in that, pay me I'm in that 91% so 100% okay 89% of smartphone users experience phantom vibrations on a daily basis that's like obviously you think your phone vibrated or you think you got a notification you look at it you didn't um this piece of research uh, these are a bunch of liars from the pew <laughs> research center 46 percent of smartphone users say they could not live without their phone that number has to be higher like live like breathe or live like like function to, okay I yeah think. i, I couldn't know. get onto campus without my smartphone wow okay i yeah, mean now i can't like that but before like in the pandemic i actually kind of i needed my smartphone because i needed to scan a qr that i took a covid test mm. i literally couldn't get on without my smartphone yeah okay. one time it died i couldn't i couldn't yeah okay so with all of those things in mind kate and i are just going to get a little bit transparent here and we're going to pick up our phones screen time oh i'm good today Oh, I'm looking at the average from last week. You want to see just today? Oh, what do you go? Week? Okay. I'm ready. Four hours and two minutes. Oh my gosh. Four hours and five minutes. Wow. We're the same. We are the same. I love that. Can I see? Yeah. I was just wondering how much productivity and finance you had. Because I have an hour and 35 minutes. I have an hour and 27 minutes. Mm. Yikes. Sorry. Okay. Pickups. Daily average pickups. 152. Oh, let me see. Where do I get there? Scroll down. Oh, whoa. 186. Okay. Wow. Okay. So those are, those are our numbers. I encourage you guys to go to your settings and your screen time and look at that because it's like an honest reflection on 
our activity. And can you comment them on our Instagram? Yes. Tell us about your phone usage. Make us feel better about ourselves. Yeah. And it'll be like fun. It will be fun. Okay. So anyway, um, can't wait to hear your guys' averages. So my point is smartphones both allow us to manage and enhance our day-to-day lives, right? Like there's great utility to smartphones. They help us function in our day-to-day. They also enhance our lives by increasing our connection with others, our ability to stay informed, which is all fine and well. However, phones also can have the potential to have a very negative effect on a lot of things. And we're not going to go into like mental health today and what social media has done to our mental health. Although I think we can all um, say from personal experience uh, that social media can distort our perception of reality and of ourselves. Today, we're going to talk about cognitive function and ability. So using mobile devices, and this is just kind of like general what the data says that mobile devices and social media and having access to those things while learning new material reduces our comprehension impairs our academic performance I know that you you don't really use your phone in class you're like a laptop girly oh no yeah that's actually why my screen time has gone a little bit lower recently Mm, yeah but even now like with our macbooks having the capability of a lot of things that our phones are like having iMessage changed. The oh, game. if I didn't have my MacBook, my phone time would be eight hours. Oh, wow. Because I'm constantly on my computer, like basically the whole day. Are you not? I don't really use it for phone functioning. Phone function. Oh. I don't really like text on here. Mm. See, that's. Nor do I go on so any kind of social. Oh, I don't social on my laptop. That's okay. crazy. Okay. I didn't know that you could even do that. Huh? Um, but I do text because they'll come up right on the corner there. Mm, interesting. Okay. Okay. So anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about humans finite capacity for cognitive processing. So humans are not robots while our brains do in fact function like a high speed processing machine. We are not perfect. We have limitations And one of those limitations is in our cognitive processing. As humans, we're not able to process an infinite amount of information at one time. And so we now experience in our day-to-day lives a mismatch between what our brains are capable of and the onslaught of information and stimulus that we get from technology and specifically our smartphones. So... As humans, we're constantly surrounded by potentially meaningful information, and we're in a constant state of assessing, evaluating, measuring, in general, processing all of this. However, it's gotten to a point where it's an overabundance of environmental information. So our phone's going off, we're looking at a computer, getting a bunch of notifications, reading stuff quickly. The content that we're getting on our phones is like 15 seconds long, 30 seconds long. So our attention spans are being negatively affected. And I'm sure people have seen, you know, studies on that coming out, especially with children now, like the content that they're consuming. Um... But today we're going to focus specifically on our working memory and our fluid intelligence. So these two things, working memory capacity refers to the availability of attentional resources, which serve our central executive function of controlling and regulating 
cognitive processes across domains. So like layman's terms, it's our ability to executively function, to like make decisions, to be presented with some kind of information and need to make a decision based on that information. Fluid intelligence represents our ability to reason and solve novel problems independent of any contributions from acquired skills or previous knowledge stored in our crystallized intelligence. So it's really just like a simple problem is presented to you and your ability to solve it. So working memory capacity is our central executive functioning. It takes some critical thought, some cognitive processing, regulating of our behavior. And then fluid intelligence is like being able to solve simple problems without needing like a lot of information or knowledge base to do so. So those are two parts of our cognitive capacity, working memory, fluid intelligence. There is also something called automatic attention. And as I understand it, automatic attention is our brain's ability to passively be aware of like peripheral stimuli and react quickly if that stimuli shifts in a way that needs our attention. So like an example of this is like if you work somewhere that's loud and there's like noise around you that you don't need to be listening to. It's kind of just like background noise. Moxie. <laughs> yeah. But you hear your name. Oh. And it's your mind's ability to be passively absorbing the sound in a way that you're not processing it. But if it shifts in a way that becomes meaningful to you, you can react to it very quickly. So like hearing your name. Um, another good example of this is like new mothers or like mothers of infants are able to like hear a very faint cry amongst background noise or hear like a shift like I don't hear them laughing anymore or I don't hear them talking anymore or whatever. And just like kind of being aware of that in the background. Now it's this automatic attention that humans have developed and is a great adaptation that ends up negatively impacting our cognitive capacity when our phones are in our presence. So I'm going to be talking specifically about one study that was done on the impact that our phone's presence have on our working memory and our fluid intelligence. And their hypothesis is that it's this automatic attention skill that we have that leads to this, I guess, like maladaptive, at this maladaptive response that we have to our phones. So essentially, they did two experiments. Um, the experiments lasted two weeks each. They had 548 participants and they randomly assigned them to be in one of three conditions with their phone. The first condition was high salience desk condition. So they're sitting at a desk working on a task and their phone is on the desk face down. High salience. It's very relevant. It's nearby and in sight. Number two, the phone is placed in a bag. So the bag can be on the floor, on the back of the chair, etc. It's out of sight, but it's very close by. And then number three, the phone is in a different room. They left all of their belongings in a different room. And then they had them work on two different tasks, one that tested their working memory capacity and one that tested their fluid intelligence. So that was experiment number one. Experiment number two, they did all the same things, but the phones were off. So their hypothesis was that people's 
attention and orientation would be redirected by their phones regardless of where it was regardless of if it's on or off and that their attentional capacity and working memory and fluid intelligence would be negatively impacted due to that automatic attention skill that we have and what they found was that they were right (laughs) so um and it makes a significant difference so people who had their phones in another room did, and this was the experiment with phones on did 12% better on average on every working memory capacity task than those that had it on their desk. So 12% better just by placing it in another room. That is so wild that literally the mere presence of the phone. Yeah, they weren't they weren't looking at the they're phone. They're not on, they're literally just looking at the phone like on the desk turned off that is crazy yeah right they weren't checking their notifications but they're not scrolling instagram that's another thing too like obviously our phones impact our ability to focus because we pick them up and then get like sucked in like earlier i was going to open my calculator and ended up on be real responding to a bunch of people and that's like how many precious minutes of me, of focus time that I just gave up to oh, scroll. Oh, I, I can't think about that. It's crazy. It's years. Years. Think about that. We spend four hours a day. And it's years. No, it is. Should we do that? Should we calculate? <sighs> yes. Okay, so four hours a day, 365 days. Divided by 24. So in a year. <laughs> wait. I need, I'm to, I need to double check that math. Wait, me too. That's because really upsetting. Hold on. Is that really? No, it's right. 60 days. 60 days. Holy shit. Of our year are spent on our phone. That's two whole months. You guys. We need to do no screen November. Wow. Okay. Yeah. We're going to talk about tips for reducing phone activity, but, but that's really upsetting. I encourage you guys that to do my the math on your own, honestly, because that just completely hearing four hours a day was upsetting doing that math and realizing that two months of my life is spent or two months of my year, not my life, two months of my you year. wish of your life. <laughs> Fuck you. You too. I know. I wish spent staring literally. And let's talk about this for a second. When you're looking at your screen and obviously like there are functional things you do. Like I respond to emails and I have phone calls with my family and like great things. But let's be honest about how much of that time was spent on Instagram and TikTok and whatever else you guys were on. I really encourage you to do that math because it might shift your perspective a little bit because speaking for myself that just did. Anyways, let's go back to the study. You're real time um, <laughs> witnessing me experience a bit of a breakdown. Okay. It's been a day. So anyway, um, yeah, 12% better just by placing it in another room. And then they did the study again. And this was a little bit like closer. So um, and it makes sense, like the phone being off, like it shifts in your mind. I guess that automatic attention that we were talking about at the beginning um, so it's a little bit closer, but 7% on that one being on the desk versus in the other room when it's off. 
And so it's interesting to me to know that even when your phone is off, even when, or even the group where their phone wasn't off, but they know they weren't able to use it, that our brains function at a less optimal level just by being in the presence of our phone on or off able to use it or not our minds are distracted our cognitive ability is reduced our focus is reduced just by being in the presence of our phone this makes me also think about when i'm trying to fall asleep but i know my phone's next to me Mm. because i'm sure that's not doing great things either or being at dinner with a loved one or spending time with your children. My, yeah. Your children. All my children. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, for the no, public, I, like. Or even driving, mm-hmm. which is scary to think about. And I'm saying turned off in the cup holder still. Yeah. Anyways, you're now listening to my mental breakdown. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I just found this particular study very, very interesting. Um And also just kind of found it interesting to like do my own reflection on my phone usage as well as here or look into more statistics about phone usage in general and our perception of it. Um, But like some things we can do, for example, one of our previous guests, Jenna Rainey, has been doing no screen Sundays. So one day a week saying absolutely no screen. I'm not looking at my phone. I will not do it. We can't do no screen Sundays, though, because it's booking day. Yep. And also, what if I work out at Moxie and I have to look at the workouts on the screen? Okay. Is that allowed? Yeah, I think you can, like, look at a menu at a restaurant, too, like. On your phone? I think. I don't think so. Okay. We'll have to ask the professional. (laughs) Jenna? Jenna, please let us know what the rules are. But, okay, let's, like, start there. You know, have one day a week, then make it no social media. Another option would be. Now, phones give you the option to set limits on certain apps and certain groups of apps. So, for example, I have a limit on Instagram and TikTok. Now, when I reach that limit, a message pops up and it says, do you want to continue for one minute or 15 minutes or the rest of the day? I never click the rest of the day one. However, I am guilty of clicking that 15 minute one a couple times. Oh, D- depending. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. So, do study- you ever just go? Oh, I'm done. No, Kate. <laughs> okay. So why do you have it? Because it's helpful. It like really does limit me. Because I'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, you can have one. Okay. Yeah. You no, know, like right, I right. talk to myself, and there's major internal conflict there. But yeah, it's just okay. So that's an option. You can also set if you have not the most recent update but I think a couple updates back you're able to set different limitations on phone usage in general so you can have like working hours so if you work from whatever 6 a.m to 3 or 9 a.m to 5 or whatever the situation is you can say like I'm working so limit my notifications and you can select all of the apps that you want to limit notifications from And then you can also do that like for bedtime. It puts you on do not disturb. It also lets people know like in your messages when they text you, it'll say so-and-so has their their notifications on do not disturb. I always get that from you. Okay. It'll be literally like 6 p.m. Jacqueline's on do not disturb. That's because I go to bed at (laughs) 8. So that's wind down time. No, I know. But also my working hours are set from like 6 to 3. So you get a three-hour window where I get notifications. 
Yeah, I was gonna say you still respond sometimes. I do respond because yeah. I like still check up my check on my phone because I have freaking phantom vibration. Although I will say I think since I've set up these notification limiters, that happens way less frequently for me. You responding or you me feeling like I like my screen lit up or it vibrated or and I didn't know because you know it didn't because I know that it didn't. So like exactly. I've now trained my brain over the last several months that like it didn't stop looking. Yeah, that's really good. Um, so just like intentional disconnection in some of these ways, um, placing your phone outside of your bedroom when you go to bed and like using that time to wind down, getting an alarm clock, the hatch alarm clock is one of the best things that's ever happened to me. I highly recommend it. It's on our Amazon storefront. (laughs) Capitalism. capitalism and evolution i also have one Can okay I add it yeah I, is it the end of the list am i allowed to yeah okay cool i am um, if i'm doing a morning workout i wake up i am um, selfishly i get to use gerardo's hatch so i don't even need to set my own or set a fo- phone alarm and then i don't go on my phone till after my workout's fully complete and i'm back home making coffee because i also waited to the studio 90 minutes to make my coffee of course so it's like a wait wait situation right um i don't take my phone to the studio wow that's really cool but i'm always with someone that did right and you live two blocks from the studio yeah so it's like safe right okay so yeah intentional disconnection if you guys have any other intentional disconnection from your smartphone um tips Send them our way and also send us your screen time and your pickup stats. Yeah, I really want to hear those. Just put them in the comments on Instagram. I'm excited. Can't wait. Yeah, we'll make fun of some of you. I'm kidding. We would never. We would never. Wow. All right. Well, good job, Jack. Good job, Kate. Now it's time. To learn a little bit about us. A bit about us. I don't really know what the people want to know about us. There's not a whole lot to know. So I was actually thinking about it because... Our origin story, like if you told me that... Like we're superheroes. (laughs) If you told me that we would be having a podcast together in two years, I'd be like, I don't know who's controlling your simulation, but mine doesn't involve that plot. Why? Because I was just like, we are like, think about it. You were my spin instructor and then you randomly put me on podium one day and then we didn't see each other for a year of quarantine and then you magically appeared in my dining room. Like that is not normal. (laughs) That is our story. That is our story. Literally, I took Jack's class at an old studio probably like a month or two, started bringing my family there and then she put me on podium one day and then the whole world shut down after that. And the next time I saw her was in my living room. (laughs) I've never really thought about that. I did recently. (laughs) We never spoke. No. I know. This is why it's crazy that we have a podcast. Even when I put you on podium. No, because I was late that day. I didn't like. You you came up and you're like, me? Well, I go, is this? And you go, "Mm mm-hmm. I don't even know if we said because I had seen you in class. I had never spoken to you and I had seen you in class before. And I was like, wow, that girl rides. Well, I bet she's a dancer in my mind. And I was right. And it was one day and I like there was nobody that I knew personally that I could put on podium. And I was like that dancer girl. (laughs) 
she's the one put her up yeah that was crazy that was great did you ride podium for other people there not born of course yeah so then saw you in my living room but i'm sure people want to know a little bit about us before we met which is crazy to think because because no (laughs) but yes so tell us jack well i mean no just like the highlights Yeah, he did. Desperate housewives. Like it's like this idyllic little town. So anyway, um, that's where I grew up. And I grew up, um we're not gonna get into religion. Never mind. Nope. I don't <laughs> think so. Today. So I went to Pepperdine for my undergrad. I thought I was gonna be a journalist. Uh I majored in international relations. While I was there, I realized like maybe not. I'm actually really interested in foreign affairs and like the strategy of it all and negotiation and so maybe I'll go that route um I ended up getting an internship at Sony Pictures I actually just got lunch with my old boss from there and it was like the best thing ever he was just like probably the best boss I've ever had and is just such a great guy so cute Paul Kennedy shout out to you um and so I was at Sony and interestingly enough I was at Sony when they got hacked do you remember this of course saga okay so Sony got hacked. It ended up being attributed to North Korea um, because we were making a movie or did make a movie. Um, then it, it was released. It, the was, interview. it was released. And it was like a satire about Kim Jong-un. And it was with <laughs> James Franco and Seth Rogen, if you guys are familiar. And ahead of its release this is actually a fun story so i worked in the corporate global security department and at when i was an intern i was doing like kind of just like a lot of bitch admin work for like all of the executives and the day that we got hacked like i'll never forget it i like walked up to the studio and people were legitimately running around like running around with computers like like, spongebob's brain i don't i'm not familiar (laughs) but people were running around with computers like under their arms like like running around unplugging computers as if like that was going to stop it right a malware attack it like is going to be stopped by unplugging the computer and what had happened is like people came in and I came in really early because at that time I was also in school so I was basically working from 6 a.m to like 2 and then I had classes all night my life has not changed I need to learn to say no to things anyway um (laughs) So I walk up super early and what had happened is when people logged onto their computers, like a giant skull came on the screen and it said, you've been hacked by the guardians of peace. What? So it was like scary. Like it, it was just scary because what, how do you react to that? What are the guardians of peace 
what I would guess is the computer gonna yeah. blow up like who you know this is why people are just running around like crazy so anyway it ended up being this huge thing like we brought in contractors from like a bunch of different companies and then also there was like a full FBI team and NSA team like the CIA came like it was a huge deal because it was like a state actor cyber attacking a private company and at the time this is like the early days of these things starting to happen so it was like major and luckily I had a boss at the time um previous to Paul that like really believed in me and gave me a lot of opportunity to like be in important rooms and important meetings and like on important tasks for this in particular and because of that I ended up like getting a full-time role there when I finished school and getting to stay on and like do a lot of other cool things also same time I was there for a crazy time then like a year later we're like still coming out of the whole hack situation and they like leaked all of our executives emails on WikiLeaks which that was crazy because of like Hollywood executives and actors emails exchanges not good it was bad it was a bad time and then on top of it, everybody's like personal and financial information and, you know, all the things. So and then there was the level of like, then we released the film. And so then like the security that went into that because it was mostly done at like private independent theaters because the major ones didn't want to carry it because they didn't know if there was going to be a physical attack in response, etc. So anyway, it's just a crazy time. And I got to be more involved. And then a couple years later, now I'm like working on travel security and things like that there was also when there were like a lot of ISIS and ISIS inspired attacks across Europe, which like heavily impacted us. And there was like a lot of work around that. And so I just like got great exposure to that at Sony, like really thought that was the direction my life was going, decided to get my master's, kind of went to Sony and was like, hey, I'm leaving. I'm going to the East Coast. I'm going to get my master's. And they were like, do you want to work remotely? And I was like, great. So then I went over there. Um, and then I was in grad school. I shifted kind of like from specific like foreign affairs generally to like more specifically international education policy. Um, and then I was there in 2016. And I knew that I was not going to be working in D.C. for at least four years. Um, made that choice for myself. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to move back home. I'm going to get my teaching credential. I'm going to teach for four years. Because one thing that I got really frustrated with in my master's program is that, like, it was about education policy. But, like, you know, these professors that are supposed to be, like, experts in their field, and they are, they're, like, you know, esteemed researchers and policymakers and et cetera. But most of them, like, hadn't stepped foot in a public school classroom in a really long time, if ever. And I just found that to be very frustrating. Because how can you, like, create policy for something that you don't understand in an intimate way. So decided I was going to come back and teach. During that time, I had found spin. I had been um, in a pretty low place in my life. And uh, spin was like one of the things that really kept me motivated and healthy and happy. Um, and so when I came back home to get my credential, I was also looking for a spin studio and found one and found one that was hiring started teaching there, was there for a few months, um, and then went to the previously mentioned studio that we talked about. And in this time, 
you know, a lot of things changed uh, in American government. A lot of things changed in like my perception of the field that I thought I wanted to go into. And I just realized that it wasn't the life that I wanted. It wasn't the work that I wanted to be doing. And I just wanted to be happy and make other people happy and really started prioritizing my health and um, saw firsthand what fitness could do um, in someone's life. So I was teaching spin. I was teaching in a public school, um, seventh grade at the time, and then COVID. Uh, And then I ended up getting a job at a school that was already online pre-quarantine. Um, and worked there. And then I was approached by one Linda Werda. Approached. (laughs) Gently approached. Uh, yeah. So I had, uh, created some relationships with, um, the owner of my previous studio and he really had been approached by Linda, Kate's mom, in case anybody doesn't know, um, about the potential of opening a studio. And then I got brought into that and ended up at Kate's living room table. Yeah. And Moxie was born. And now I get to co-own and run the best studio ever made. So true. And the best podcast ever made. True. I went off on a major Sony tangent there. I haven't talked about that in years. That was crazy. But really... Really interesting, actually. <laughs> Hackers are wild. It I was mean, we, crazy. We literally have everything. Anything can be. Oh, gosh. Nothing's safe. Nothing's safe. <laughs> like, if Sony's getting hacked, like, you think your stuff's safe? No. To be fair, like, our cybersecurity situation at that time was not where it should have I'm been. I'm sure everyone's was. But that's. But I think still. I mean, still. Right. So that's really interesting. I'm Kate. <laughs> um, I was born here, not actually in Costa Mesa. I was born in Hogue, which is crazy. Like, How cute. A stone's throw. I know. It is really cute. I have no idea what hospital I was born in. What? I mean, I know the city I was born in. You don't know what hospital you were born in? No, it had to have been a Kaiser. I don't know which one. Oh, okay. That make, yeah. I'm a Kaiser girly. Oh, okay. Actually, officially not anymore, which is really upsetting to me. You like Kaiser? I freaking love Kaiser. And I know that's like... That is so I know it's controversial. I know. But like as a healthy young individual, I love Kaiser. If I were older and or I... Pregnant or something? No, I think for pregnancy, it's fine too. Dealing with like any kind of difficult disease... Maybe not because right. like the specialty doctors there, like they're just not available and or highly regarded. Yeah. But like for a general, just like random everyday stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I was actually, my brothers weren't even born here. Um, I don't think, I don't know where they were born. doesn't matter. They're not me. But <laughs> No one can see me. <laughs> That's especially funny. <laughs> just, <laughs> just given because of this. So yeah, I grew up here. I went to all my schooling here through high school. I was a competitive dancer. It's funny that you mentioned that because I was thinking of like what major attributes in my life like have gotten me to where I am. And I was, 
a competitive dancer from well, I started dance at age three, but I didn't find my studio until I was, I think, in fourth grade. Yeah, I think I was 11. And I danced with them up until my freshman year of high school. And I was on my song team, which is like dancing, but for your high school. And I realized I don't. It was kind of the first time I was faced with like, do you want free time or do you want to like do this thing that will consume your life? Mm-hmm. I chose free time. <laughs> Good for you. Because it, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people competitively danced. Like it's not an uncommon thing but it is a whirlwind of a lifestyle like my if you ask my mom like we went to crazy like went through crazy drives to get to these competitions one time we were like on a family vacation and we left early in the middle of the night to drive just so we could get the max amount of daytime with my family and then we drove through this crazy rainstorm in the desert to get to my palm springs dance competition it is crazy. I would like to talk about this for a second because I similarly like definitely not as intense, but like my brother played like very competitive baseball and like started travel ball very young and I played softball and uh, and quit because of for this exact reason. Right. But like the way that grooms kids into thinking that like their whole life is supposed to be one thing that is like predominantly work and right. like about like seeking major achievements or like winning things or being the best at a thing. It really fucks with your head. Yeah. I mean, don't get me like all sports. I think that is a common trope, but don't get me started on dance because then that's also about your body. Body, Yeah. And that'll just (laughs) cherry on top of everything. Mm -hmm. But so did that up until freshman year, decided with song and also the thing about dance is like some sports you can just show up and do it. But I was so annoyed because with dance, I was doing my hair and makeup two hours before. So any event I had, it was plus two hours because I was doing my hair and makeup, which like that's not normal for an 11 year old girl to be like, oh, but I have to do my hair and makeup. So I need two extra hours. Like what? Now I get ready and it's like, I'll be there in four minutes. (laughs) So that was like my only brush with athleticism. Honestly, I was not an athletic child in the slightest. One time my dad um, put me in goalie for I'd like played like AYSO soccer. It's like anyone can do it. And I cried the whole time and just sat. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> that is hilarious because my dad's favorite story about me is when he tried to put me in soccer I wasn't goalie, which was the problem because I had to run. So in softball, like you do conditioning and stuff, whatever, as you get older and like you really start practicing and whatever. But like there's not a whole lot of running, like one base to the next. Right. Soccer. Whole thing is running. He said that I literally ran off the field and was sobbing that I didn't want to run anymore. And I still feel that way. It's triggering. Yeah, I still feel that way. Like I don't. I don't like the concept of like, why is like they were all coming at me? Like I felt attacked a little bit. (laughs) So that was my last brush with athleticism. And then I didn't do song my senior year because again, free time. And I told, I was like talking to my mom and 
it's also when you're like applying for colleges, like a lot of like life shift is happening. And I'd always thought that I wanted to go to New York or Texas for college, mm, which interesting, like really not me. If you know me now, like <laughs> not it for me in the light, like slightest. So I was just talking to my mom and she had been going to this gym and like weight training. And I kind of thought it was super weird, honestly. And we were talking about it and she was like, well, now that you stopped dancing, maybe like you can incorporate like workouts. And I was like, uh, definitely not weight training. <laughs> like, I'd rather go to like a jog. Like I didn't know about working out because that's another thing when you're conditioned to like go straight from school to any sort of practice. You're kind of just like, that's what we do. That's a major thing, too, with high school athletes when they stop working out. That's like people talk about the freshman 15 as if it's just like binge drinking and eating. It's also that like a lot of these kids spent their entire lives playing sports and now they don't. Yeah. So they don't know that exercise is important. And my parents are athletes like they run marathons. My dad used to run marathons. My mom currently runs marathons like they are not docile people that just like to sit on the couch like not that's not them so we were talking and she told me about weight training and I said you're crazy no and then she told me about spin and they were going to the studio that Jacqueline and I met at at the time we didn't meet for the first I think two years that I was spinning there and I loved it so much and I don't know what clicked in my mind but then one day my mom was like oh do you want to train um with my trainer Robert and I was like yeah I guess and I just was like, I guess, open to it at that point. I went and none of my friends did it. Like, it was kind of weird that I was going to like lift weights. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It wasn't not even what it is today. Like four years ago, it wasn't a thing. <laughs> it was kind of weird for, for like my age group. And I loved it. And I like saw my body get so much stronger and all this stuff. Was having the time of my life. Got into college got into SMU, decided like, woo, like, yay, I'm moving to Texas. I had visited once and then I got there and I went through like some pretty like traumatic life shifts with some friends at home. And it was just like a lot all at once. And it was like a big storm, I think, for my life. Like that happened. I was so far from my family. I'd never lived in another state from my family before which uh, that's a normal thing for people that go to college. Like I'm not saying that's new news, but I was just like kind of realizing that I'd like, it was the first decision I had to be like, do you want to keep doing it or like shift, but then have to uproot and like do take a path. That's like not going to be what you thought it was where it's four years at a university, you graduate, you come home. So I decided uh, after my first year that I was going to transfer And I'd always wanted to go to USC. So while I was there and like not really enjoying my time, I decided to just put all of my effort in, get straight A's and hope that my credits all transferred so I could do a transfer program to USC. And I did. I got in. That was like best day of my life. So exciting because obviously if you live in Southern California, that's like the closest school possible. And I got into the Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism. So two journalism girlies saying podcast, we're journalists. (laughs) And 
Yeah, I'm in school right now. I initially thought maybe I wanted to be a journalism major, but then I took a journalism class. Honestly, <laughs> with, that'll do it. With like a really, really cool professor. It's Robert Shear. He's pretty famous, honestly. He has crazy interviews. If you guys look him up, you probably won't. But if you do, he's crazy interviews. He also has a podcast. And I was just exposed to that. And I was like, no, like, I don't want to sift through and like decide what is truth. Not for me. <laughs> Sorry. That's exactly what we do on here. Um, I decided communications with a minor in consumer behavior. So I'm learning some psychology, some marketing and some communications. And it's kind of the perfect little bundle for me, honestly. And if you know me from my Costa Mesa life, then you would have no idea. But if you know me from my LA life, then you would be like, oh, that's Kate from school. <laughs> that's Kate from USC. <laughs> but yeah, just having a silly, goofy time, honestly. You are. You're really killing it. Hmm. I feel. Thanks. You're welcome. And and I think it's important to note that Moxie likely wouldn't exist if you didn't. Because although it is your parents that initiated it, right? I don't know that their dedication to having a group fitness option for themselves would be as high if not for the fact that it was such a bonding thing for them and you. Yeah, that's true. That's another thing was when I started spinning with them I felt that fostered our relationship so so much Mm -hmm. it was just something we got to do together and that's not really you don't really hang out with your parents as a teenager like that's not super common unless of course you're at home like sitting on the couch with them but we were actually going out of the house and doing something together and I would agree with that also when I started weight training with like Robert and my mom I feel like that created a community there Mm -hmm. where before like Robert was just her personal trainer like they wouldn't like hang out like that would be weird if they hung out but then like it was more of a group atmosphere once I like joined along and I think that inspired her to do the moxie meshing element right with spin and group fitness like I think moxie could maybe be a spin studio right right now I'm not sure it would be what it is, though. Yeah. Which is just kind of crazy. Yeah. And it's interesting, too. I've never really thought about it. Working out was like what my dad and I, like the only thing my dad and I did together as well. He yeah. like forced me to start lifting when I was a freshman because I stopped playing softball and he was like, you need to work out. Right. It's very bonding. Well, we learned from last Dua Epi that you told us all of the benefits of training with people oh yeah benefits of group fitness are major yeah they're huge it's changed my life that's for sure literally every single aspect of my life i thought i was gonna work for the state department right i thought i was gonna live in texas riding like a horse or something i don't know what they I do don't know there. why you ever thought that it is great like when i tell that story like i lived in texas <laughs> i can't get over it it's crazy that is a crazy yeah. choice that was I wild mean, i went to pepperdine could you could if you knowing me now no i know i could see you in malibu i just couldn't see you in pepperdine wow thanks that's nice yeah well i mean you basically live in malibu like a couple miles down right now oh okay i mean right like a beach town yeah yeah so okay yeah you're also very chic and you could see you in malibu for other reasons that's (laughs) the nicest thing you've literally ever said to me and i'm pretty (laughs) sure you were kidding 
Well, I thought that's what you were like, what thought I meant when I said you could be from Malibu. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope you guys feel like you know us a little bit better. Do you? I have two cats. Oh my gosh. I have twin brothers. (laughs) I feel that necessary to add. I'm not an only child. (laughs) I have an older brother. Yeah. You do. And a husband. Wow. Yeah, you do. So. I have two dogs and a cat. They're so cute. They are. I love them so much. Jacqueline has a thing against Max. I don't know what it is. You, Yeah, you have something against him. I'll tell you what it is. That's what it is. He licks a lot. And he barks a lot. It's how he shows love. Have I know, you read? I know. The whatever. The book that tells you about love languages. Yes, of course. Yeah, so his is barking and licking. Okay. Okay, anyway. So this is our season wrap up, you guys. Yes. Uh, Kate heads to Africa tomorrow. I head to also Africa uh, <laughs> a couple weeks after that. And then when we're back, we will be back on and live. So in the meantime, please let us know who you want us to have on the podcast. What do you want to learn about? Who do you want to learn from? You know somebody I want to have on the podcast? And who? it's not a specific person. This is generic. We need to find somebody to fill this okay. role. Is like a women's health hormonal health expert i would love that so much i really think dr allison wills would be a good one okay we should talk to her i'll talk to her okay so yeah if there's anything like that specifically that you guys want to learn about let us know on the day this drops i'll put a question box on our instagram so it's more like accessible for them to tell us perfect okay cool and just also tell us your screen time Yes, any recommendations, all screen times, and just lots of love. See you guys for season two. Bye, guys. Bye.